in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We're here for another sweet week of movie discussion action. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So working on things. We're on the precipice of the Oscars here, Matt. It's uh, happening this Sunday. So excited to uh, see who's going to win, who's going to lose, what's going to happen, uh, all that kind of stuff. And um, a little more frustrated, too, that it came out that all the ads were sold anyway. So all this hullabaloo of cutting categories of, of got to get more ratings. They ended up selling out the fucking ads anyway. So what was this all about really behind the scenes? I'd like to find out. So that's my two cents for today. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's been nonstop of, of that. Plus, should the Oscars even exist anymore? The right. ratings are dog shit. Yeah. The, it's only getting worse. They can't find a host. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three headed, you know, host monster that they've got going this year. We'll see if it succeeds. I can't imagine it's going to do anything for the ratings, but who knows? Yeah. I don't, I don't, how many people are going, Oh, I got to see Regina Hall host the Oscars. I don't think it's that or Wanda Sykes. Or She's a, the Regina old. Hall is the one that I would be tuning in for at that point. Really? Okay. All right. Of, of Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer. What, wh- why do yeah. I care that they're involved in the Oscars? Yeah, and, and listen, I'm not trying to denigrate any of those ladies. I think they're all accomplished ladies who've all done incredible stuff. It's certainly way more richer and accomplished than I am. But I don't know if there's, uh, if you're, I don't know if the cross section is being reached. So, and why do we need two black women? Why wasn't there a Latina involved here if you're going to start going? And I get it. Wanda's a lesbian. So you're kind of crossing over the LGBTQ plus community, which I'm a big fan of doing. But I think you could have, like, let's mix it up a little bit, you know? I, you know, I, I just would like to have seen a little more of the diversity if they were going to go the diversity route. Bring in a Latino dude. Why is it all women? Bring a Latino dude with a couple of women and we can balance, ba- black sounds and white like, and bounce it out. It's all sounds like, it sounds like you support critical host theory. And I don't know if this show <laughs> agrees with you. I don't know if that's official stance here, critical host theory, but, uh. DHT, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's that was fucking good. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's go a whole bunch of like I, I, I don't watch anymore. I just yeah. tune in. Like I, I have uh, either IMDb or something else, like a tab opener on my phone, just yeah. to see who wins because I don't want to sit through four hours. Right, right, exactly. Not, it's not worth four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to sit through four hours for you guys? I, I certainly don't. I used to, and then as I get older, just like I don't care about seventy-five percent of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to know who wins and that's about it. Yeah. And this year best picture is going to be interesting because I don't think there's an odds on favorite. No, it seems to be the, the divide between Coda and Power of the Dog. That seems to be the two ones that are vying for. And of course, by the time people hear this, we'll know who won. Uh, but, uh, right now as we're recording it, that seems to be the two 
uh, ones that are, um, uh, the front runners. But that also, but then a lot of people have been saying recently that, well, because those two might split the vote a little bit, that King Richard could slide in, West Side Story could shock everybody because people seem to have a thing for Spielberg and the Academy. Any number of things can happen. So yeah, so it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Jessica Chastain apparently now is the odds on favorite to win. Yeah, I thought it was Kidman, but she hasn't won in a while in any of these, uh, Oscar, uh, any of these, uh, award shows. So kind of surprising. Did you like the movie? Did you see the movie? What being the Ricardos or uh, Eyes of, uh, either. Tammy Faye? Did you see, uh, I saw Eyes of Tammy Faye. Okay. I did. I haven't watched the Ricardos yet just because I heard uh, from every person that I know that saw it was like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, uh, you know, I'll move on with my day. I'm sure I'll see it eventually. I've seen, I think, all the best pictures save for one. Okay. Um, I mean, I, Coda or King Richard would probably be the two best for me. Okay. I didn't see Drive My Car. I saw that finally this past week. Okay. Any good? Yes, but but it's a three hour movie, Matt, and it's takes its time. So it all depends on if you like the actors and you like the characters. I think you'll stay in tune with it and enjoy the journey. Um, but it's an interesting film. It's an interesting film because the first forty five minutes are essentially giving you the backstory of this main character. Then something happens and then the film actually starts like credits and everything mm-hmm. 45 minutes into the movie. And then the rest of the movie is this relationship between the person driving this person around and that person. So it's interesting though, for sure. I liked it. I thought it was beautifully shot, but it's not for everybody. It's a, I would put it in the European corner and uh, the outlaws European corner, Roka's European corner, whatever it's, it's, it's not yeah, for everybody. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a weird year. Because mm-hmm. usually I and most people have one that they favor Yes. above all yeah. others. And this year I'm like, yeah, that's fine. If that wins, if you want to gravitate towards Belfast, sure. Right. Yeah, or yeah. Licorice Pizza or Nightmare Alley or Ugh. Sell Yourself on Dune. Dune would be uh, a shock if it won. That's for sure. Well, because the movie's incomplete. That's why it's a shock. It needs right. the second part for me. Yeah. Because uh, if licorice pizza wins, I'm, I'm just going to walk out the fucking room, man. I don't think it has any real shot. Yeah. 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 Coda and Power of the Dog seem to be the two that have the most talking, you know, uh, point discussions that I see amongst people that give a shit about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Power of the Dog just seems like it's Oscar bait. So. Yeah. It seems like it's set up to win all those awards. It is. Uh, I don't agree with that assessment, but. Right. When I saw it and, I, and afterwards all the hype and be like, yeah, you know, this sits on a lot of the metrics that <laughs> Oscars love. This checks all the boxes. It checks a lot of the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. I and remember. yeah, you know, it's, it's like Green Book. I knew that was going to win because it's like, look, look at the Academy history. Yeah. It's going to win. It's a safe choice. It's yeah. the safest choice and it makes all the older white voters you know, believe in the power of cinema and look at this. We can talk to have these stories about the healing of America. And then the families come out and be like, this shit never happened. Never happened. It's a full <laughs> on lie. Yeah. They fictionalized so yeah. much of this. 
<laughs> they find out the, the the driver's son wrote the script. You're like, oh, well, for the love of God, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, so, then, yeah. you know, don't look up. Adam McKay gets a nom at yeah. this point Ooh. with that cast. I finally saw that as well. Ugh. Uh, uh, here's what I'll say: it it tried to be Doctor Strange Love, but it was missing that realism amongst the lunacy, and you got to have that realism to latch on to so you can find the lunacy even more poignant and even more insane. And the fact that everybody is a fantastical character doesn't help the movie at all in terms of the parody. You know, the only real person is Rob Morgan in that whole fucking movie and he's barely on screen. So I, I, I was just so surprised by that. Cause usually I'm a, I'm a Adam McKay fan, but this one just did not work for me. I thought it was better than the initial critical reception. Okay. But I was surprised they got a best picture nom. <laughs> yeah, me too. So it falls in that. I think it's an entertaining and enjoyable. Yeah. And there's a lot of truth, you know, buried in that movie. Oh, sure, for sure. And some really excellent performances, you know, from a number of different people playing. Yeah, like Jonah Hill was just playing the best DJ or DTJ that you're ever going to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh but, you know, that being said, who knows? I, I will do, you know, be uh, glued to my phone or whatever the case is on Sunday to see who wins. But I'm not going to tune in. I don't. It has nothing to do with any of the hosts or anything else. I stopped tuning in a few years ago. I just don't care. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's just too damn long. But Yeah. Uh, what, else, what else is going on? I mean, I did see the story that. Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock said that their kids got into a scuffle at school and they had to go to the principal's office. So what? what? There's an adorable story of whether or not it's true, but boy, press for the movie makes for a good story on junkets. What? Their that daughters really apparently got into a fight and oh, they're just like, and then we got called into the uh, principal's office. That's I, hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> seems far fetched, but okay. <laughs> I saw the, I, I liked the movie. It was good. It, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a fun throwaway romantic comedy. You're, you're not going to think about this film, you know, right after you see it, you know, it's, it's just fun and they're great and they have nice chemistry and Pitt is hilarious for the amount of time he's on screen. Um, and yeah, and I, and then yeah, Brad Ratcliffe is a nice villain. It's fun to watch him as a villain, but you know, this isn't like the, the greatest romantic comedy ever. Anything. It's just fun. That's what I would say about that one. Well, let's see how it does against the Batman because the Batman. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, still looks like it's going to be a juggernaut at the box office. Well, no, maybe, maybe this will unseat it, but I don't think so at this point. Did you see that Joker scene they dropped? I haven't watched it yet. Did you see the Joker scene they dropped today? No, I haven't watched that yet. I mean, there's the uncredited Joker at the end of the movie. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. But apparently there was a, a, a scene dropped today or an edited scene or deleted scene or whatever. And so. Um, but I haven't seen it, so I haven't watched it yet. No, it yeah. wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'd be curious as to whether or not they go with that actor who's a good actor. He's in Eternals with Black 47 is where I first saw him, that yeah. Irish actor. Right. Yeah, whether or not they keep him for uh, Joker. Yeah. But I'd almost be fine with not having a Joker sure. in the next yeah. one as well. As well. I would be very fine with not seeing the Joker for a long time, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Let's just fucking move on from all that shit. 
and let's wait till down the road, you know? So that's my two cents on it. Well, we've already got Penguin set up and then we can just bring in. Yeah. Any number of other excellent Batman villains. That's true. But That's true. Joker is the high wattage, you know, villain. I get it. Are we just, are we just fools? Like, are we, are we in this bubble where like, we're like, oh, not the Joker again, but other people outside the bubble, like, fuck yeah, give me more Joker. You know, I, I mean, can't imagine so because it's tailor made for, for those of us that like it. Yeah. Cause I mean, so, Joaquin's made a billion dollars with that Joker. And then you had Heath before that, and Jared Leto got raked over the coals for his. He did. He did get raked over the coals. And I think it's gotten in his head because, you know, since then, it's been a lot of House of Gucci, and that was strange. Yeah. And then uh, I'm watching We Crash now, and here's another weird accent. Yeah, he's doing the Jewish uh, Israeli accent. Yes. Yeah. Which is fine. I don't have the slightest clue, and he's, he's good on the show. Yeah, I like the show. I've been watching this because I, I watched the documentary and I like the documentary. So I was like curious to do this, to watch the show and I've been enjoying the show. Um, you know what? I, I've, I watched the first seven episodes of is the, the dropout, the, um, oh yeah, I'm through five of that. Yeah. 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 Through, uh, I had a Fair friend, of, I had a friend of mine who's got a Hulu hookup, like send me his, the email and I got the other two episodes and I'm like, you have to wait. I have to wait now for the eighth one. It's so fucking annoying because I just want to finish it. So last night we just rewatched the HBO Max documentary because she, Lindley didn't know too much about the background on this. So we, mm-hmm. we watched that documentary um, on HBO, which is a good documentary from Alex, from Alex Gibney. Fascinating story, man. I mean, just fascinating on so many levels. Yeah, I knew about hers. I followed hers as it was going on and mm. all the revelations were coming out about the technology and the results being yeah. faked and all that. So I was intrigued by that because you just built up a billion dollar industry upon lies. Yeah. Whereas the we crashed based on we work, I only have a passing understanding of what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's like, Oh, you know, it's illuminating. Whereas it, so Catherine and I are watching it and she knows yeah. all about we work. Oh, does she I, really? yeah. Does so she? she's like, I already know about this and I don't want to watch because these people are such shit bags. <laughs> But at the same time, it's like, I am intrigued. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dropout, I knew about Theranos, but I'm like, I'm, I don't know, like, the startup elements mm-hmm. and, and, you know, seeing her as a boisterous, young, headstrong, 18, 19 year old at Stanford and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting to, to get the backstory in that, but Amanda Seafried is really good. Dude. Yes. A hundred percent. Like this with Mank. She has like gone to the next level as an actress. You know, you and I both have watched actors like kind of work and, and do their thing. And, do, and then all of a sudden there's those performances and then boom, they're like a whole nother echelon of actor. And it seems like she's like accessed that thing to move to the next level. And who knew that she was the one that was going to come out of mean girls and be the best actress of all of them, you know, and kind of like Michelle Williams out of Dawson's Creek. You're like, really? You know, so, I mean, I was just. I'm blown away by her, man. Think, I want to see her more. You think she's head and shoulders above McAdams? Yeah. In terms of talent? Yes. In terms of okay. status? In terms of like, oh, who do I go to first, Seafried or McAdams? McAdams probably still has the edge there. But I think Seafried in terms of overall talent is next level. I haven't seen McAdams do anything like what she has done in Mank or what she's done in, doing in the dropout. I haven't seen McAdams be able to do that at all. 
you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been a bunch of uh, rom-coms or small parts and stuff like Southpaw. Right, oh. right. Yeah. Southpaw gave you a taste, though. You're right, man. Southpaw, there was a little taste that there was something yeah. more great. That, layer, that character had depth and layers. Yeah, yeah. I'd um, like to do something more with that where she gets a chance to do that. Uh, then maybe I might change my mind about that. But, yeah, I haven't seen it too deeply yet, too much yet. So, uh, But, yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, Lori Metcalf is great in it. And um, Bill Irwin is fantastic in it as well. Uh, well, yeah, Metcalf maybe. She closes out five again, so we've only seen her twice. So if she comes up in six or seven, I'm not surprised because uh, – What's his name? Reached out to her and was like, "Tell me what you know yeah. about her." Yeah. Um. So that's where we've left off there. But it was nice to see Saeed from Lost. Like, hey. oh shit, <laughs> dude! I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, Naveen Andrews. Yeah, that's so great to see him in this. Yeah, he's he's chilling. He's chilling in certain moments, man. He was like, oh shit. So yeah, it's got know. a good cast. Him, Stephen Fry. Yeah, Stephen Fry is great. Oh my god, so good. Um, yeah, yeah, he plays a good part and it's got a nice arc to it. And mm-hmm. he's as likable as he always is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. I, I would definitely recommend that. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm still hate watching billions. <laughs> oh yeah. Is it bad? I've never watched the show. So why are you 80, 80% of the cast is dog shit. 80%. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, uh, Dexter. I like Dexter and then every other cop in that I didn't buy in the slightest. They were all terrible. Even his uh, sister who they were dated in real life. I thought she was terrible on the show. I thought everybody else was basically terrible except for him. Billions wow. is very close to that. I like Giamatti. I like the people in his office. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like Corey Stoll. Yeah. And a couple of the guys in his office, but then the rest of the office I could get rid of entirely. They're terrible. Just terrible. Um, but I've watched every other season. It's yeah. gonna wrap up at some point. It might as well stick through to the end. I think there's only one more episode of this season and then it's done. I felt that but, way about Walking Dead, right? I was like powering through all these seasons. Ugh. And then eventually I hit that wall and I was like, I just, I can't watch anymore. And I was like, oh, it made, it made a comeback for the last couple of seasons, but I can't do it. I just, it's too much to get back into it. And even if it got better, it seems like Negan is now hooking up with Glenn's girl. And so no matter how you made that happen, I don't want to see that the dude who beat the shit out of Glenn with a baseball bat ends up hooking up with Glenn's girl. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. After she watched him kill him. Like, it just, to me, that's, that shit only happens in motherfucking shows, man, and TV and film. It doesn't, nobody does that in real life. You know, I'm going to sleep and have an affair or be in a relationship with a guy who killed this dude I really loved. You know, that's weird. Yeah, I, I think it was season three was the last season that I watched. It's when they right. killed the single solitary black guy in the second to last episode. And in the last episode, they introduced the one new black guy. Yeah. The dude that was on Oz. And I was like, are you uh, fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to have a policy. And I was like, I'm, I'm so out. Cause it's the same, it was the same cookie cutter episode after cookie cutter episode. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm done. 
with this. And I even had a friend, friend is strong. Like we'll text every once in a while, but we're not like buddies or anything. Someone you know. Uh, yeah, someone I know. Okay. Got a, a really great part, like on season four or five or something and carried through for a couple seasons. And I was just, I couldn't even get back into it once he got a spot. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I didn't tell him that. But well, I hope it doesn't listen. No. Yeah. Uh, I congratulate. Shot him a text. Hey, dude, that's awesome, man. I hope your part runs for, you know, as many seasons as you want and you enjoy yeah. yourself. And he's like, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. You know, <laughs> Atlanta's nice. Awesome. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't watch. I, I watched like a couple episodes of his just to, if it ever came up and I saw him. Um, but I couldn't get past that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to be a good friend. I did what I could. <laughs> I did what I could. Uh, uh, the rest of it could be done. I did uh, what I could. <laughs> That's funny as shit. Um, uh, what's going on with these, uh, with the heat, buddy boy? Well, what's the deal with the heat? Uh, uh everything's falling apart. No one. Yeah, that's, that's a stretch. Uh, it's all over, dude. Um, I don't know. It's a great question. Nobody has an answer to that yet. Yeah. And I don't know that lull, anyone will. One of those lulls and they just have to kind of bounce back. Is it what you think? Well, it's the end of the season. So hopefully it's not a, a lull for them. I don't know. Heat culture. They're all. Aggressive and Jimmy's even more aggressive than everybody and it blew up. Yeah. But to see Spolster go crazy was that was a shock. Yeah. Haslam, um, usually is like calm yeah. and whatnot, but I wasn't, it's like, oh, okay. Did Jimmy get into his teammates? But when Spo is doing, you're like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when Spo was act, asked about it, he didn't give a real answer. So we're not going to get, yeah, it'll be if Jimmy has in, uh, you know, a tough divorce from this team is when the reporters will drop what actually happened here. But until there's some sort of bitter divorce, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't foresee anybody getting a real idea or estimation as to what's going on there, but it makes for good Twitter fodder. Yeah. True. True. Your bulls are struggling too, man. Three and seven over the last 10. Yeah. You don't have to tell me, man. I've been watching. Boy, there's a good chance we could slip down to the seven so long as the Cavs keep playing 500 ball and we're under 500. Yeah, you, got, uh, you guys are two, uh, the Raptors are two games behind you. Crazy. Yeah, they keep stumbling as well. And then Brooklyn losing last night to Memphis. Yeah, that was uh, weird. That helps us. I have Memphis. I watched that game. Memphis just kept punching, man. Yeah. Desmond Bain was fucking lights out. It was impressive to watch, but they had no fear. That's what I like about Memphis. Yeah. I really hope it's them and Phoenix in the uh, Western Finals, even though it's 1-2 and it'd be boring for most people. It's two young teams. They're going to, I mean, play with such intensity. Yeah. I'm shocked by Boston. Yeah, they're the hottest team of basketball for the past two months, two and a half Jesus months. Christ. Nice. Isn't, this, isn't that guy's first year as a coach, right? Cause- yeah. Ime, it's his first year. <laughs> Incredible. And they look, they look like the Celtics at the beginning of the season of like all the promise in the world, none of the payoff. And then boy, their defense is excellent. They had like a seven minute stretch last night where they didn't miss a bucket. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're just playing wow. stunning basketball. It's dangerous. Dangerous. I, I'd be curious as to whether or not they want the two seed 
or if they can get the one, but mm. it means more than likely you're going to play uh, Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, with Kyrie coming back now to play the home games. Yeah, mandate lifts today. So, but they need to get above Toronto for that to be effective in the playoffs because otherwise they got to go on the road for that playing game to Toronto and Kyrie can still no longer play there. Right. So he would be on the bench, but uh Seth Curry being out last night was kind of big for them. They don't have that extra shooter to space the floor. Yep. Uh and then Ben Simmons, who knows when the fuck he's coming. Yeah, they only have nine games left to make it happen. I mean, why would you and all the why would you work Ben Simmons into your roster in the playoffs? That to me is that's just asking for something. The thing is though, you don't need him to shoot. You just need him to play defense. Yeah, but you know he's gonna want to. I just talk to him, be like, dude, layups, dunks. And yeah, take the occasional three to keep him honest, but layups and dunks. You're playing with guys that have won championships. Shut up and do as you're asked. That's a fair point. Not told, asked. Asked. Otherwise we'll herniate that disc again and you'll be out for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Just come in and just kidney punch. There's a rabbit punch right to his back. And it just goes down. <laughs> you know, Kyrie's got no problem doing that. Oh, man, I'm sorry, my knee. Sorry, yeah. dude. I'm going for a layup. Sorry, bud. We shall see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be a good, good playoffs. Yeah, two weeks, baby. Yeah. Um. All right, anyway, let's get into our show, man. 25 minutes of convincing. Um, I don't see anybody joining us live, Matt. So maybe we're just doing the show for ourselves. I don't see any, uh, All right. anybody else. So we're just hanging out doing our thing. Um, uh, so anyway, we're doing top 10 vampire movies. Um, and why were we doing this one again? What's the movie? Do we remember? Uh, it's for or? Morbius. That's right. Morbius coming out, uh, yeah, soon. We're here with, uh, Jared Leto. Um, final trailer is already dropping. So people are getting ready for that one. I'm going to see it next. Wednesday, 10 a.m. in the morning. So that'll be interesting to experience that film at 10 a.m. in the morning. Okay, uh, here's why no one is showing up. For some uh, reason, the email that got sent, it did not send it to everybody. It just sent it to us. Oh, that's weird. That is that is weird. I don't know why I did that. So I am sending it to everybody right now. Okay. Hopefully Super. they join us. Yeah. What well, happens? Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened with Google. Google. That's a Google. first. There's a first for everything in life. <laughs> Google. Wow. All right. I'm going to watch that deleted scene at some point. Anyway, all right, so let's get into this thing. We got ourselves top ten vampire movies. We should talk about it. Um, as uh, Matt mentioned, it's because of um, Morbius that's coming out, so we're going to jump into this thing and count it down. Uh, Matt, how does the show work? Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top ten lists. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. All right. Um, so hopefully people join us pretty quickly. The email has gone out. Uh, apologies to all our patrons. Um, so it, uh, I, I, I looked over. So I made my initial list, right? And then 
did the Google search of, okay, what am I missing? Right. Um, and pretty much, I don't think there was one thing that I missed that I haven't seen, but there's okay. quite a few that one, upon reading the description, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um, that made a ton of people's lists. Um, yeah. of like even top fives and stuff. And I was like, I've never even heard of you. And right. there were a few that I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that one existed. So my list is probably incomplete compared to most any like true horror fans, but I've seen a decent number of, uh, vampire movies. Okay. So with that disclaimer, um, <laughs> at 10, I got shadow of the vampire. Oh yeah. The, uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, please. It's a, basically a, it's him and Malkovich. It's like a making of Nosferatu. Yeah. Which I've actually never seen. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I've seen clips of Nosferatu. Yeah. yeah. But to see Willem Dafoe as the, what is it, German actor. Yeah. It is so uncannily believable because the, the lore around it is that they actually cast a real vampire. And, you know, just by they happened to find one and put him in the movie because he was so convincing. Yeah. And then you see Defoe and all his makeup and you're like, you know what? If it was anything like this on set, I kind of believe him because it's creepy <laughs> as shit. Just him kind of lurking in the shadows and whatnot. And, um, it's a, it's a great behind the scenes of a movie that I haven't seen. Yeah. So I don't know how accurate a portrayal it is, but, uh, I would tune in for it. I think it's, you know, uh, it's good Malkovich. It's good Defoe. And it's an interesting movie. Yeah. Um, but I haven't gone back to seeing it since it originally came out. So I don't know if that's a vote of confidence for some people out there, but at the same time, true horror fans, uh, would know better than I. Yeah. Uh, do you ever see it? Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was really interesting and I liked the, um, portrayal of Willem Defoe and I liked the, you know, you rarely see a film, Matt, where Malkovich is not the weirdest one in the room. So to have them have the back and forth that they were having throughout the movie and him kind of putting, because Malkovich is playing Murnau, F.W. Murnau, putting Murnau kind of on his heels the whole time, and him actually believing that he's a vampire by the end, such an interesting, because it's a mixture of actor's ego with this desire to, you know, this desire to, to lose himself in the part. So in a way, it's it's a hell of a it's a chilling film, but it's also or a haunting film rather, but it's also a darkly funny film because of how Willem Dafoe plays this character, you know. And so to me, it was enjoyable to see the way it was vacillating between both of those feelings as I was watching the movie. And yeah, you're right, Dafoe is incredible here and and um, doing such a good job. I think it's Shrink Shrink or something like that is the guy's name. That I think they based the um uh Christopher Walken villain from in Batman Returns, Max Shrek versus Matt Shrink. Oh, okay. Shrink, I think. And so having that uh having him play him in that way in the in the movie was just very, very fun. And uh Eddie Izzard, I thought was nice in the film as yeah. well. Interesting in the film, uh playing his part as well. Um yeah, it is. It's Malkovich before he starts going full Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was still trying to be the actor. Yeah, exactly. You really get into a part as opposed to just going over the top. I wonder when yeah. that switch was like for him personally, when he's just like, you know what, where he's kind of walking, where I do my own thing. 
So when you cast me, you're casting yeah. that. Maybe going into the 2000s, maybe. It's a good question. Yeah, possibly. When did but I mean, there's ever... a distinct shift from him because he used to bury himself in parts and then yeah. he became the part. Right. Cause I mean, what, like, what would be the other one? Cause you got rounders. But yeah, rounders, I think is the start of maybe it's being John Malkovich. Where yeah. after that, now he's a known commodity. Yeah, because Rounders is 98, being John Malkovich is 99. And then Shadow of the Vampire is 2000. When is Con Air? Con Air is 97. So maybe that four-year gap or that four-year time, three-year three, three year time is when he kind of starts to slowly make this turn. Because during that time, he's doing Man in the Iron Mask, which is ridiculous. The Messenger film. Then he does knock around guys after Shadow of the Vampire. Um, and then he does the Ripley's game, which is, a, and then his adaptation, I forget he's an adaptation as himself. Oh yeah. And then he's in Johnny English, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Aragon, Beowulf, Burn After Reading in 2008. So it's a weird kind of thing here where he vacillates between the crazy stuff and the regular stuff. Um, yeah, but he never quite goes back to being that thing he was in the nineties, in the early nineties to mid nineties. Yeah. Where he yeah. actually morphed into the character as opposed yeah. to changing the character into Malkovich. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. What's your nine? Uh, at nine. Um, Hey, and what about this? If nobody shows today, oh, do you want to do a live show next week? Drew Enns is here. James Pett. Ah, there here. we go. Nice. I was going to say, it's my apologies, fellas. Don't know yeah. what happened with uh, the email, but um, got you, four got, people us right now. you got iced out. Uh, Google didn't want you here. <laughs> it, sent, it sent an email to us alone for some reason. <laughs> you know who's really going to appreciate this? The people sending it out. I'm just going to go ahead and rifle this back to you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Uh, well, for those just showing up, we're doing vampire films, which you can see in the description. But my, my 10 was Shadow of the Vampire. My nine. Yeah. Uh, is Daybreakers. Oh, the Ethan Hawk one. Is that right? The, or is yeah. Hawk? Ethan Hawk, yeah. Sam yeah. Neill, uh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who else is in it. Yeah. But it's a world in which the vast majority of the human population have turned over into vampires and now there's a shortage of blood. So they're trying to create a blood substitute. And then there's all these other people. Basically it's, it's a discussion of haves and have nots. So the, the 1% versus everybody else, because ultimately it comes to, there's a finite amount of humans left with a finite amount of blood then. Yeah. And so the poor people who can't afford it, eventually morph into these vampire sub-creatures that feed okay. upon anything, but they they lose all sense of humanity wow. uh, and are just mindless beasts at that point. So they're trying to create a substitute to basically, you know, uh, uh, cover the shortfall of lack of the human blood. Um and it also brought up the idea of, I'd never thought about that. Like, what does it look like when a vampire shits? And they have like a sheen, a scene kind of like that in there. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, uh, I've never thought about that. I don't know why I would. Um, 
But then the greed of one of the largest human blood manufacturers not wanting the substitute right. because they have a good market and they don't want to fuck with their market. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's interesting. Is it the greatest movie ever? No, but yeah. I, I have watched it twice, which is saying something for me for a vampire or a horror film. Yeah. Well, it's a bunch of people that I don't know beyond Sam Neill, Willem Dafoe. And, yeah. Uh, like Ethan Hawke's uh, got a brother who's in the military, but I couldn't tell you what else he's been in. Yeah. Uh, Sam Neill's got a daughter that he tries to turn, but I, I can't tell you what else that she's in. Right. Um, interesting. And then there's like, uh, people that are part of Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is a former vampire that became human again. Right. right. So they think that they have a cure and whatnot, but he has other actors with him. And I, I couldn't, there may be one in there that I know, but I don't think so. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so basically it's the three of them. Okay. But. It's like it's another one of these weird Ethan Hawke smaller films that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. for some reason, I end up seeing almost all his time. Like Black Phone, I know I'm going to see at some point. Oh, yeah, Black Phone, that's right. I just know it's coming. I don't know anything about it, but for some reason, I end up like First Reformed I saw, or there was yeah. that time travel one with him that was super interesting, and I saw that, and I saw, right. I don't know, all his tiny little horror, oh, like – uh that one where they move into the house, the horror film, and there's the spirit that uh, he finds. Yeah, Sinister. Sinister Saw yeah. that for some reason. <laughs> and I don't watch horror at all, but I, okay. Don't know what it is. That's so I just, I guess I like Ethan Hawke a lot. And yet I can't stand dead poets, you know? Just the weird <laughs> things in life. Um, okay, so what's your eight? After uh, your uh My eight is Blade 2. Ooh, so you chose that one. All right, fair enough. I did not just choose that one. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I'm trying to balance out the, is he going to have three or five underworlds? (laughs) Me? (laughs) Yes. We'll we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) It's also a testament to, I've seen a bunch of schlocky vampire films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm just like, that's not good. And I know it's not good. So I'm not going to just put it on the list to have... Just Ten that. separate different ones. Normally, we both try and do that. We don't want to do more than one from a franchise. That's true. That's true. And that's why I gave the preamble of there's a, a quite a few, like let the right one in. Apparently, everybody said that's great. If it's on your list, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. And uh there's a there's one other one, too, that sounded really interesting, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh Jim Jaramouche directs it. And I was like, never heard of this one. Yeah, I forget. I remember seeing the picture. Yes, yes. But I didn't know what it was what it was about. I just knew they did a movie. Yeah. Uh but both of those seem pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um okay. So So Blade 2. Blade 2. Take it down. Break it down, man. Break it down. Del Toro comes in <laughs> and makes what I thought was going to be a one-trick pony kind of franchise. Right. And actually extends the life of it. And let's just act like Blade 3 didn't happen, you know? Yeah, Trinity never happened. Um, yeah, that, okay. that had B-movie action film written all over it. Although the stories from behind the scenes, oh. it's unsurprising that it ended up being just a turd of a movie. That should be the movie. They well, should make a movie out of what happened behind the scenes. I'd be down with that. I mean, if there's any footage. Yeah. I, I would watch that. I know quite a few people watch that, but. 
Do you think there's any footage of like Snipes not talking to the director and just putting post-it notes up as his correspondence? <laughs> I think it'll be like that Val documentary where it's, you just hear it all. It's all Wesley being like, listen, I was a mensch on the set. I was, I just wanted to make a good film. I was very dedicated to this franchise. Um, and unfortunately not everyone else was on the same page with me. And clearly from this random clip that I happens to have saved, yep. I look like the hero. And at this same time, I was in the process of preparing my taxes. So I was like, <laughs> my headspace, I was just pulled in so many different directions. I was clearly distracted. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but you know, afterwards I had a number of uh, oh. people from the crew tell me that, uh, it wasn't me. Yeah. It's so, okay. it was really great. And here's a one shot of another actor that everybody agrees is uh, a pain to work with sometimes. Uh, doesn't really bolster my case, but here he is. That's fucking ridiculous. I don't mean to speak ill of Ryan. I'm sure he's accomplished so much, but at the time, not the best guy. Uh, he was a nobody. And <laughs> Jessica Beal didn't like me after I turned her down as she made a pass and, yeah. uh, <laughs> seven heaven. Oh, thanks. No thanks. <laughs> and Patton, I still, I think he should carry an Apple box with him at all times because it was tough to find him in the room when he was speaking. Look, all I'm going to tell you is why are all these nerds in my movie? I don't need <laughs> nerds in my movie. This is a badass vampire movie. Why is head of the class in my movie? It's ridiculous. I don't need any of those kids. I could have had my own movie. I did think it was ridiculous. I mean, like, what the fuck are we doing with those 90s independent film kids in it? Even Parker. I was just like, come on. This is ridiculous. Ah, uh, see, that one I didn't mind because it kind of fits. She could play that to me. Yeah? All right. She's always borderline bitch like that. <laughs> okay. She is. Even in the movies where she's, you know, likable. Yeah. She's still, like, there's an air because we've just seen her play that so many different times. Fair. Yeah, like in Dazed and Confused and other places where she's yeah, like yeah. the uppity condescending person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Best in show. Oh, God, yeah. She's, where's the busy bee? And they're just going crazy about a stupid dog's toy because they're so – they've wrapped up their identity in this, you know, dog and how well it places and all that to just the ultimate of yuppie. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so Del Toro comes in and basically just – it's everything – that they got wrong in Predator, to me, they get right in this. Mm. Predator is like, you know what's fucking more badass than Predators? A really huge Predator. And Blade 2 is like, a vampires? What about the vampire that feeds on vampires? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? By the end of it, I was like, I kind of buy it. It's scary. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, something that could unite to disparate uh, forces and whatnot and get them to band up in an unlikely kind of duo situation for a yeah. greater evil, you know, the enemy of my enemy and all that jazz. And yeah. uh it works in that instance where sometimes oh, the, the simplest idea is the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, and you know, the, the supporting cast is damn good in that film with Ron Perlman and, and all them. I, I enjoy that, that as well. I mean, having, uh, oh yeah. And Noah, Norman Reese, speaking of walking dead, Norman Reedus playing the really young, uh, guy there who's, uh, kind of betrays Blade in that film as well. Um, and then the return, of course, of somehow of Chris Christopherson in that film. So. Man, he has had one of the weirdest careers. <laughs> to say the least, dude. 
to say the least. The weirdest career is like legitimate musician into a star is born type of, they're setting him up and then a movie I love, Millennium or Millennial? Millennium. Oh yeah, Millennium. Yeah. Him and Diane or Cheryl Ladd, right? Isn't yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> oh shit. What is his name from Kids in the Hall? Uh, uh no. no, Scott, um, Oh, the openly gay gentleman. Oh, yeah. Scott Thompson? Scott. I think you're right. I think you're right. He was on um, SNL, wasn't he, for like a season or two? No, 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 no. That's a different dude. Okay. Scott um, Thompson? Is that right? Is that what you're thinking? Scott. It's Scott, either first name or last name, but I think it's Scott. And then. Uh... Oh, I'm thinking something else. Sorry. I put something else in there. <laughs> Apparently there's a TV show that used to be called Scott Thompson. Oh, Scott Thompson. So you're right. Scott Thompson. There it is. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Mark McKinney was the one that was on. Mark McKinney. There you go. Yeah. They got back together, right? They're doing something new. Didn't they already release that? Did they? God, it kind of came and went, didn't it? Yikes. Wow. It's just, was anybody (sighs) clamoring for that? I mean, I know they have a fan base, but how big is that fan base? So what was the expectation level for its success? Yeah, here we go. Oh, the Amazon has picked up the Kids in the Hall Comedy Punks, a two-part documentary series. Oh, about them. That that was this oh. year. So, and last year was the other thing you were talking about. Uh, yeah, I thought they did like a special for new ki- for Kids in the Hall. Yeah. So, the yeah, Amazon Prime is bringing them back for eight episodes. Um, but they haven't said when that's going to be released. Um, and that was in December. I was in March, uh, December of 20. Oh, sorry. It was in March of 2020. Oh shit. So maybe it already came out. I don't know. I don't see anything. Uh, yeah, June 2nd, they said they started filming the new series, but I don't know if they've, uh, released it yet. So, but they look old, bro. Anyway, all right, so that was your eight, Blade. That was my eight. All right, fine. And my ten is uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, that's a punt. Okay, fine. My number nine is Nosferatu, which you haven't seen, you said. I have not seen, no. I love this film for all the fucked up reasons. Uh, I mean, I, I remember watching it, as I've said before, I think on this show and other shows, like, I was a kid, stumbled into uh, late night television while my lady who was taking care of me was asleep, and I watched that thing and scared the living shit out of me. And then really? later in life, oh yeah, because I was seven years old, eight years old, seeing him come out of the fucking darkness like that, I was scared out of my fucking mind. So watching it later in life, um, I really got to appreciate the direction uh, Murnau did in that movie and really enjoy it. And look, the remake from Werner Herzog is fucking good as well, but. If I'm choosing between the two, I have to go with the original, um, which I'm going to reverse that later on in this list. But yeah, um, I will go with the original one here. That's a fantastic, scary as shit and short film. It's not that long. The film thinks just over an hour, but, uh, it's effective and I like it better than, uh, the Dracula film, the 1931 Dracula film. Okay. okay. So yeah, that's, that's the, of the two, that's the one I've chosen to put on my list and I just enjoy uh, what you see and the visuals and the sepia tone look of it all. And 
And when you hear it with the original, like, um, score, uh, it's even more chilling. So yeah, that's my number nine. I know you haven't seen it. So I don't know. Now, that's one of those where I do feel I should see it. Yeah. yeah. There are quite a few classics where like, oh, you got to see this and be like, maybe, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, like an hour and six minutes if I'm not wrong. Came out in 1922. Oh, sorry. It's an hour and a half. So yeah, a little bit longer than I anticipated. Okay. Maybe they added some stuff over the years. Um, I don't know. Um, okay. So then my number eight is Near Dark, the 1980s film. Who's in that? Uh, Adrian Pazdar, uh, Lance Hendrickson. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Jackson. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. Um, have you ever seen that one? You know your cup of tea? I think so. Okay, okay. Because I, you know, I had some working understanding of who he was from Aliens. Right, 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 right. Um, but no, go for it. Nice. Yeah, I love this uh, 1980s vampire film. So interesting for a young Adrian Pazdar, who I would go on to later enjoy in Profit. And, of course, he married Natalie Maines for a while from Dixie Chicks. Um, but interesting young actor here. He was, in, he was in Top Gun as well. He had, like, a real small part in Top Gun. So he seeing him be the lead here, he's this kid from Oklahoma who hooks up with this one female vampire, doesn't know she's a vampire. She bites him, turns him, and it's all about him, like, getting involved with this group of vampires who roam the countryside, getting into all kinds of shit, setting stuff on fire. Lance Hendrickson is the leader of those vampires. You find out he's been alive since the Civil War and that him and Bill Paxton, who's also been a vampire, has been around for a while, started the Great Chicago Fire. Uh, and you discover all this stuff about them and then his family, Caleb's fa- that's the main kid, Cajun Pazdar's family gets involved, tries to try to save him. And so it's all this kind of weird interest. It's basically like they recruited a guy to be part of their crew. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, but he eventually kind of creates a friendship with the leader, which protects him for the most part. But then in the end, he has to decide, like, is he going to choose the vampire family or his actual family? And what's he going to do with his life and all of okay. that? So, yeah, it's a really good uh, film that's surprisingly it, – it's definitely a cult classic, but it surprisingly isn't as talked about as other films from that time, like The Howling or – other horror films around that time, like Cujo or something, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more of a forgotten one. And I'm always frustrated about that because it's such a good fucking movie. Plus it gives you a, a good idea of how good Catherine Bigelow was going to be as a director. Uh, just watching one of her, I think it's her first film or second film that she ever did. And it's as a female cast, director yeah. in the 1980s. Yeah. It's a good cast. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't good think uh, based on your description. No, I have not seen that. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a one to watch for anybody else. And Tim Thomerson is in this thing, and he's always great in those B movies as well. Um, let's see. All right, so that's my eight. What's your seven? Uh, my number seven is uh, the remake Fright Night. Oh, that is a oh yeah, it's my number six. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's do it. Shocked, yeah, that it was that good. Yes, a hundred percent agree with you, man. Shocked, it was. Basically, my education that Colin Farrell was slowly morphing into more than just a pretty face to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where before it's like I had liked him, but it's like I, I feel like you're coasting on your looks. Yeah. And then now we have evidence over the past decade and a half where that dude can really act. Yeah. Like craft interesting, compelling characters. 
And when they announced this, I was like, why is he doing it? it to me, it was a sign of eh, maybe your career isn't actually going to pan out the way that a lot of people had projected and whatnot. And then you see it and you're like, dude, he brought something original. Yeah. And unique to this. And, uh, I think it's better than the eighties, yep. uh, original version, which I think is campy. Yeah. Um, yeah. it still holds a place in my, my heart because I used to be afraid of that VHS cover in the movie store when I was a kid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I walked past him like, Oh, there was that. What was like that movie where the, uh, uh, dismembered hand was ringing a doorbell? You know what I mean? Oh my God. That one always freaked me out. <laughs> uh, Chud, just the, Fuck the yeah, sewer man. cover. I was like, I don't want to know what's underneath that sewer. Co-. It's just like all the stuff when you're walking through the horror section as a kid. Um, what's the basket one? The basket one? What's the basket yeah. one? Oh my God. What was the horror film basket, horror film basket cover? Ah, oh, man. I forget what it was. Maybe our fans listening to us will let us know. Was it Basket Case? Was it Basket Case? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Basket Case. Yeah. Oh, dude. This one. Fuck this one, man. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Here. Oh, you put it up on the screen? Was- yeah, here. Look at this thing. I mean, this was. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember that. You never saw it, but I remember that. Uh, what is the ringing doorbell? Severed hand ringing doorbell. I'm just going to type that in and see what comes up. Cause that, I remember that one. I don't remember the film. Oh, house. House. Oh, house. Yeah. Oh, I never wow. saw it, but I remember that. I remember William Cat was in that with George Went from Cheers. George Went is in that? Yeah. They're two, they're friends in the whole movie. Yeah. When all this shit's happening to him. Yeah, I remember that one. Those are, those are some great covers. Those were some great oh, covers. It's what horror oh, did best. Oh yeah. In my opinion, yeah. as a kid, I never watched it, so I don't know what's actually <laughs> good or not. Look, Alex, right off the bat, Alex Russell. House, totally. House, it was house. Ed Buskirk, house. But just remember, Hamlet's house. So these guys know. Some of these guys know. Well, especially but, when it has an easy name like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised that they are so quick to recall it. Um, but yeah, so Fright Night, I mean, you also have, it's, it's a solid cast too of young up and comers. Yeah. Uh, as well. And Farrell at the center of this. And they're what? It's based in Vegas, which is kind of perfect for a vampire. Yep. I believe it's, yeah. He lives on the outskirts of Vegas. Yep. Um, where that type of lifestyle where you're out at night would kind of blend right in and most people wouldn't bat an eye at it. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. yeah. Half your neighborhood could work at the casinos and be working those late shifts as well. So no one's really going to notice that you're constantly coming home, uh, super late. Yeah. And yeah, I thoroughly recommend that one. I think that's an excellent movie. Yeah. I thought so too. David Tennant is really good coming in as the kind of supposed, uh, um, the vampire person. hunter. Yeah. Vampire hunter, which is great. Anton Yelchin is. Fantastic in the lead role. Uh, McLovin is hilarious as he's slowly becoming mm-hmm. like the Renfield to uh, Colin Farrell's vampire. And yeah, uh, and Tony Collette, of course, is really good as Yelchin's mom in the film. But yeah, I mean, he is scary throughout the movie, Colin. I mean, when he shows up underneath the car, holy fuck, man. It's such a great moment. And then when, you know, they're going through the rules of whether he can be invited in or not invited in, all of that. 
Um, and Yelchin going progressively crazier and crazier trying to prove what's happening. Um, it all works so well. And the yeah. setting, as you said, in Vegas works so perfectly and all the different things that he's going to. Yeah, it's incredibly well done. But like, who's the director again? Is something, yeah, Craig Gillespie. Yeah, I thought so. Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tanya and Lars and the Real Girl, uh, did this one as well. So that is uh, a weird IMDb. I like all three of those movies a lot. <laughs> he also did Cruella. Um, okay. Million Dollar Arm. Really? The John Hamm vehicle. John Hamm one. And The Finest Hours with Chris Pine. Okay. God, He's also directed a couple episodes strange. of Pam and Tom. So, yeah, interesting IMDb for sure. That's all over the place, and he's hitting a lot of different genres. <laughs> he is, he's, he's pulling them off, though. So, yeah, can't hmm. argue. Can't argue. Um, okay, so then that was your, what's your six? Uh, my six is The Lost Boys. Oh, that's a slight punt. Slight, okay. Slight punt. Uh, yeah, so then my number seven is Underworld, the first one. Now, do we have like Rise of Lycans coming later? Do, no, do we want to tip the hand? No, I only chose one from each of the, the franchises. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I love this cheesy, schlocky franchise. I've seen every one except for the last one. I have not seen the last one. I mean, it was, I think I've said this on the show, it was my tradition with one of my ex-girlfriends who writes for the James Corden show, now the Late Late Show, whatever. She and I used to go see these, these on opening night because we, you know, have this connection with the underworld thing. And even after we broke up, we'd go see the film on opening night, the newest ones. It was the last one we didn't go see. She's married now, whatever. So, but, the, but the, yeah, I mean, I enjoy Kate Beckinsale in this series. It's really well done. I like this opening film. I don't think any of them ever really came as close to the opening film. Um, in the series, in the whole franchise, and Bill Nagy's in this one is great as an yeah. old vampire. I liked his part. Yeah, and uh was it Noseworthy who plays the werewolf guy? Um, and then Michael Sheen, you know, who is I was about to ask, does he come in in this one? I've seen like three of them, but they all yeah. kind of blend together. He's unrec. He's almost like I almost I almost didn't know I didn't know he was in the film until later when. They were like, oh yeah, in, in Underworld. I was like, what? He's in fucking Underworld. And I went back and looked. I was like, holy shit. He is in fucking Underworld. God damn. So yeah, I liked it uh, a lot. Um, and it's one that I, I think still holds up. I think people can still go back and enjoy at least the first one. And Len Weissman, of course, um, yeah, back and forth as a director, you know, um, I didn't like his total recall remake. No. Uh, and his Boy. live free, he did live free or die hard. Which so. technically is the last good die hard, but it's, yeah. yeah. How good is it is really the question. It's the conversation to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's basically lived off these, um, underworld movies because he's done, uh, what, two or three of them. So yeah. Um, oh, it's like Jovovich and Resident Evil with <sighs> Anderson. Dude. Those, those two just exist off those checks. Yeah, no doubt. Wow, he did some music videos. He did a couple of Megadeth music videos. Wow. All right. Um, but yeah, he's done mostly TV for the last few years, bro. Like since 2010, oh, 2012, he's done Sleepy Hollow, Lucifer, The Gifted, and Swamp Thing. And that's it. So interesting stuff for him, for sure. But yeah, this is the one. And Becca Swamp Thing point. that will never see the light of day. Yeah, the other episodes, I guess, maybe. Uh, yeah. But good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Underworld. I mean, 
the hyper stylized, very nineties look actually kind of works for the first one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. it helps with the aesthetic of it overall. And it's a good movie. I just, I think all the others now have colored my perception. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Cause I, yeah, I've seen like three of them. I definitely haven't seen the last one and the yeah. one before that, but yeah, was Rise of the Lichens, I think yeah. was the third one or something. I think that's, that might have been the last one that I saw. I think there's six of them in the series. Are there six? I think so. Jesus. Underworld Blood, yeah, Blood Wars, I think was the most recent one. That's 2016. But yeah, there's Underworld, <laughs> Underworld Evolution, Underworld Rise of the Lichens, Underworld Awakening, Underworld Endless War, Underworld Blood Wars. That's six. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and Kate was only not in one of them, and that was uh Rise of the Lichens, because Rona Mitra took her spot in that yeah, one. Yeah, well, folks, that's where Michael Sheen yeah. really takes center stage. Yeah. I think she should go back. I, I, I'm always surprised that she's not more successful. I'm always surprised, because she's beautiful. She's good at what she does, mm-hmm. and, and she's British. You know, so it's always surprising to me that she's not more successful. And there's yeah. Other yeah. clunkers too in her. That's why she's not more successful. She's had some projects that didn't do well. Yeah. And, uh, kind of tanked it for, her, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, since Underworld, I mean, yeah, it's been click, snow angels, whiteout. Serendipity is the only thing I can think of where. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's roughly around the time of Underworld. What is that, like four years later, three years later? Yeah. Yeah. Underworld is two years later in 2003. Yeah. So that terrible Tiptoes film too with Gary Oldman where he's pretending to be a a dwarf. Oh, fuck. The only, I've seen the trailer for and I can't believe it exists movie. Have you actually watched that? Bro. My friend Mike Ross, it was a rite of passage for us to get high at his place or drink and watch that fucking movie and watch him narrate that fucking movie. I've seen that movie five fucking times, dude. <laughs> Just high with him because it's don't, ridiculous. Don't How you got a cast to, to agree to this? A director that read the script and was like, brilliant. Patricia Arquette, Gary Oldman. It's a great cast. It's an insane cast. I think McConaughey's in it too. He plays his brother or something like that. It's an insane cast. And, you know, they got producers to shell out the money and. Yeah. It's fucking bananas. Yeah. David Allen Greer. Yeah. Craziness. Uh, anyway. All right. So that's my number seven and my six, as we said, was the Fright Night uh, remake. So, uh, let's take a quick break, Matt. Um, before we get into our top fives, don't you think? That we will. We'll see you guys in just a second. All right, there we go. There's our break. We are now jumping into our top fives. At five, I've got the punt from you earlier, Dracula. Oh, okay. The uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. All right, break it down. What do you got? Um, it's probably Keanu's best acting. <laughs> now you're, you're hitting the points of why it's number 10 for me, but go ahead. Yeah, but I, I think... What you need to do is honestly 
just you're tuning in for Gary Oldman. Absolutely. Incredible performance. Phenomenal performance. Yes. And it's, yeah, I mean, he just carries such a creepiness throughout. It's unsettling and unnerving as you're watching it. And I genuinely believe he is this individual that has lived for centuries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and sees his long lost love in Winona. I mean, Tom Waits is excellent. How many times can you say that? Such a great Renfield. Mister, Mister. Yeah, freaking so out good. in that insane asylum, like with the flies and everything. And but I, I believed it one thousand percent. And then, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the castle that he has in, in Transylvania, but then shipping all of that into London and then bringing the vibe with him. I don't know. I just it. There's a very full world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they created. I think. Oldman fully embodies it and brought to life this larger than life character. Yeah. That it's really difficult to do. And it was part of a string. There was that. And then there was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which was not good. No, it wasn't. Uh, but it was like trying to retell these big, you know, classic horror novels yeah. for a modern audience. And, uh, yeah, I think if you get past a Keanu, I think Oldman is more than worth the price of admission. Yeah. Well, Keanu and a little bit of Winona and a little bit of Winona's, uh, Bo? No, girl, uh, friend. Oh, sure. Sadie Frost, I think is the actress's name. She was married to Jude Law. And then, yeah, but Hugh Grant and Billy Campbell and whatever the other guy. Oh, uh, is it Carrie Elwes? Is that the other guy? The three? I believe so. And then Hopkins is in it. Oh, yeah. Hopkins is, Hopkins is good. I think Hopkins and. Yeah. Oldman are great. I think they're the ones who are really kind of like at the level of what the movie is asking of them. Um, both in the cheese factor a little bit, but also in the real well done acting, uh, aspect as well. Certainly because Oldman from the beginning, I mean, that opening is fucking awesome. The fighting and him coming back in that, that red armor stabs that yeah. the cross and. And drinks the blood and he starts saying, uh, I think I can't remember what language he's speaking. And he's, and then he, and then all of a sudden he realizes what he's done and the weight of him becoming a vampire comes over him and shit. It's fucking awesome. And then of course those moments throughout the movie when he's either being Dracula or being the count and he's kind of messing with Keanu and, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. messing with the uh, Winona Ryder a little bit. Crawling on the ceilings, the creepy <laughs> castle, the sirens that he has living oh, with him. Yeah, um, Bellucci was one of those, by the way. Oh, was he? I didn't yeah, know that. Bellucci. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, ah. I just think the world building is so incredible and Oldman is utterly fantastic. Yeah. I probably why. should give him more credit than I do. It's just that the Keanu yeah, Keanu is terrible. It's bad. There's man. no way to sell it any other way. Keanu is absolutely terrible. It's quite possibly the worst acting he's ever done. <laughs> it is. Okay. And I've seen interviews with Coppola. And Coppola will not say a bad word about him because he likes him so much. And he's like, look, he genuinely tried. Yeah. And he showed up to work and he was trying, he's putting in his best effort. Unfortunately, yeah. what I, I saw from him was like, I, I as a director didn't get the performance out of him that I needed. And that yeah. is my fault. And you're like, wow, that shows you how much he liked Keanu. <laughs> Everybody seems to like Keanu. Yeah. I got, I met him for three seconds. Seemed like a gem of a human being. Wow. Uh, yeah, three, literally crossing the street in front of the, the laugh factory and he was going to Canners. 
And I was going to the Laugh Factory. And I just said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I do, I really enjoy your movies. And he's like, Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And then he walked into Canners. I was like, enjoy your Canners. And he's like, all right, have a good set. And actually, I don't think he said that. Maybe in my head, he said that. And I was like, look at it. We're best friends. I think he said, <laughs> but yeah, we're just waiting across the street and he's just hanging out, wanting to go get a sandwich. He sat for a row. He loved every one of your jokes. Oh, dude, we, yeah, I, I <laughs> it was the best. Uh, so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, I but, like that. You know, like I remember I should give it more credit because I remember defending the film when I was younger. There's a lot of people, like critics, tore it apart back then. In the it's got its faults. I yeah, agree. It's a, as opposed to the Rainmaker, which you cannot distinguish that as a Coppola film in any way, shape, or form. True. Dracula takes huge swings. And so you admire the artistry of what Coppola is trying to do. I mean, when he's writing and you see the journal appear on the screen in the trailer, yeah. that's brilliant, brilliant co- composition of, of, uh, of these frames here in, in, in the movie. And so, yeah, there's, it, I agree. I mean, maybe I have it a little lower than I need to have it, but yeah, it's fine. It, it is what it is. I mean, you know, yeah. I think we can all agree that Underworld is, a clearly superior film. I mean, in some ways. Uh, anyway, before I go into that hole, uh, my five is also a punt from yours. I think, uh, the slight punt Lost Boys. So, uh, okay. Top five. I love Lost Boys. It is such a good classic 1980s film. It would be laughed out of the theater if you released this nowadays in the way that it is, but it's got a nostalgia factor to it. Um, really enjoy Keeper Sutherland, Jason Patrick back when they were trying to make Jason Patrick a thing for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, was it Corey Haim and Corey, uh, yeah, the two Corys. This yeah, is their first movie together. Yeah. All of it. And of course, homie with the sax solo and all of that stuff. So it was a uh, great, and I really enjoyed it. And Schumacher, one of those films where Schumacher got to actually show what he could do as a director. And, um, I really enjoyed it and it's, it's, unsettling and dark but also funny and also 1980s but also kind of classic so all around just one of my favorites what about you and you have what uh uh diane um weist right weist is the mom yeah you're right that's right and uh the stuffy uptight dude ends up playing the the head vampire. Oh, the right. One that yeah, turned Herman. Over. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. He always remind me of Forbes. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's great in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, but... the grandpa. Yeah. The great character. And then they filled out, you know, some of the un- other uh, vampires uh, yeah. amongst all of those. I, I think Kiefer and Jason Patrick are really good at it. Yes. 100%. Like, really good. And it's, Kiefer on a trajectory of this dude is going to be nominated for Oscar quite a bit. And he's just yeah. never, you know, whatever it is, uh, partying and yeah. the lifestyle kind of caught up with him and made some choices and ended up not being the box office draw that he was hoping for. Yeah. 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 But he was on a trajectory, man. Mm-hmm. I think it started to fall apart at Flatliners for me personally. Oh yeah. The one with him and, well, him and Julia. Yeah. They were dating at the time. Um, and of course she left him at the altar. It was a big, big story at the time. But yeah, I mean, yeah, but he's found a way to recover with 24 and then with this designated survivor show. So clearly, you know, what, what could have been a cautionary tale 
as he got older, he eventually found his way out of it. And I mean, he doesn't still drink, I suppose, every once in a while, but like he's no longer jumping on top of Christmas trees and getting into fist fights with people as he was through most of the 1990s. And I mean, uh, it, you know, it, it's unsurprising when somebody who is 22 right. goes off the deep end when they have fame, they have money, they have power. Yeah. It's like, uh, how do you not feel invincible at that age? And their dad was already famous. Uh-huh. So, like, how do you negotiate that as well? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're one of the, cause they went to a school where everybody's parents were famous and they ended up becoming famous as well. So they made it out if yeah. all the, everybody had the same aspirations, uh, type of situation. So you want to prove yourself that you're not just some talentless individual, mm-hmm. you know, riding on the coattails of your parents. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, he was, I thought he was going to be something, you know, cause he had lean on me before that, or not lean on me, yeah. but, to, uh, Oh, um, with Kiefer? Yeah. Stand by me. Stand by me. Right. Um, small part, but you're like, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's building. You have something Except, like this and yeah. low budget on this did well at the box office. All right. He is a draw mm-hmm. and he is arguably the best part of the movie. Yes. Um, you could sell me on Jason Patrick, but I, I gravitate towards Kiefer in that. Yeah. Uh, perhaps cause the part was better. So, you know, he gets to chew more scenery. Because <laughs> Jason Patrick has to struggle with the transition and whether or not he wants to be part of that life and the turmoil and Kiefer just gets to play evil. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were scary as shit. Especially like they're all hanging upside down and they stake one of them and then they all wake up. And you just see these eyes and the, oh, it's a fucking, that got me as a kid. Yeah. I, I just enjoy it all around. This is a fun, enjoyable film for so many reasons. And, and yeah, Kiefer, I mean, Kiefer has that gear, right? To go dark when he wants to go dark. But I saw a film in the 1980s way back when called The Promised Land with him and um, Meg Ryan and Jason Gedrick and Tracy Paul. And he played so like this kind of nerdy kid. And Jason Gedrick was the school basketball star and he was the nerdy guy who always liked him as a person and wanted to be his friend. And 10 years later, he comes back for the reunion and he's, you know, it's all weird. Everyone's life is terrible and you know, he's coming back and you see his upbringing and shit, what he had to deal with. So it's so very interesting. So, I mean, like, even amidst his fame, he was kind of gravitating to these interesting roles, you know, as an actor would. So yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. But we should do more. I mean, like, he's just doing TV stuff, right? Every once in a while he pops up in a film, but not that often. Maybe he'll do, like, the ensemble hopefully, something. Like, Departed-esque, where you're yeah. – it's a prestige thing. But I don't know if his ego would allow him. Plus, uh I haven't heard the best stories of him on set, so. <laughs> Ditto. That's fair. That's actually fair, right? Yeah. yeah he shows up in the weirdest places. Like Marmaduke. He's a voice in Marmaduke. Easy uh, payday, buddy. Yeah, no doubt. And then, oh, so I guess he was in Flatliners. Did he come back as his character in the remake? Interesting. Oh, fuck, really? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Um, but he's about to play, apparently, Franklin Delano Roosevelt for the show The First Lady, where we get Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt. So interesting. 
go. That sounds as bad as some of the casting in The Butler. In what world is Kiefer Sutherland FDR? I don't know, but I don't know how I don't know what he looks like now. Older, I haven't seen. He doesn't him look in... anything like FDR. No, you don't think they could, you know? Fuck die. no. You know, all right. Bill Murray was a better casting when they did oh, an FDR movie. That was terrible casting. Jesus Christ! I'm just saying for someone that looks closer to FDR. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's a picture. No, there isn't a picture yet of him on set. Do you remember FDR mean mugging people? I don't. <laughs> you know his best FDR, which I hate to say was John Voight in Pearl Harbor. I thought he was a good FDR. Yeah. Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor was great. Um, I thought he was a good FDR. Brana tried to do a young FDR, right? In that uh, Springs movie, whatever it was called. I forget what it was called. He was dealing with this. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Um, all right. So Murray's, where are we at? What was Murray something on the Hudson? Yeah. Mar- uh Fuck. Hudson Street? Hyde Park? What was it? I thought it was something on the Hudson or. Yeah. I'm getting confused. Looking it up? Hudson, which is the Robin Williams one. Uh, yeah, probably what? 90s? 2000s? I know. It's like, yeah, 2010s, 2012. Hyde Park on Hudson. Hyde Park. So I know Hyde Park was a park. You got that. So between the two of us, we. Nailed it. Nailed it. Does that count in the Schmodown? I think so. If we were doing a group, yeah, we're doing a second round, we could converse. That's right. Got it. <laughs> let's move along, Christian. Come on. We all know that I got that. Let's, let's, let's get it going. Uh, all right. So what's your four, man? Uh, my number four is interview with the vampire. That's my number four as well. Yeah. Um, actually, I wouldn't even think about it. I'm surprised they made it that high on your list. Yeah. I like it. I, I've watched it again recently. It's, it's actually not a bad movie, to be honest with you. I thought you were always in the Anne Rice camp of, I don't think Tom Cruise should have been Lestat. You know? No, I've never, I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I like him in that movie. Yeah, I know. I'm just, he's busting my balls. Uh, I've always liked that movie for some reason. <laughs> like it shouldn't speak to me and yet I thoroughly enjoy it. Is it because you imagine Ethan Hawke as the Christian Slater character? Is that what uh, it is? it's more so to do with Brad Pitt. That was why I went and saw it. Oh, fair point. Um, yeah. I've always liked Brad Pitt. So yeah, just for whatever reason. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting kind of discussion of what it's like to be a vampire as opposed to just, it's all about the carnage and gore to lead this life. Like when they change Kirsten Dunst, how Brad Pitt looks at that as the curse that it is. Yeah. She's always going to be in this state, something they don't, they somewhat addressed like in Lost Boys with that younger, you know, uh, not quite teenage kid. Yeah. What was that boys? Like 12? Yeah. 11 or something. Yeah. Um, and it's just a different perspective. Uh, And then to go from like, you know, there in the new world to go to the old world and to see no vampires have been around for a long time. Like you may be a hundred years old at this point or whatever the case is, but we're a thousand. (laughs) <laughs> and how you were turned is not how things are done. Like there's this old staid culture versus the new worlds. And then to see him, the look on his face when he's watching a movie and he gets to see a sunrise for the first time in 200 and some odd years. Yeah. Yeah. And the kind of joy that brings his lifeless soul. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. It was just an interesting, a, a different perspective from a movie or a, a genre where I thought I had seen damn near everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was, I was working at a bookstore, uh, way back when and, and those films, those, uh, sorry, those uh, books flew off the shelves all the time. People loved that Anne Rice thing. She it was a massive hit in the late eighties, early nineties or most of the nineties. Um, and so seeing the adaptation, I know there was a lot of trepidation. As you said, she didn't like the fact that he was cast. Tom Cruise was as Lestat. Yeah. yeah. Most people felt it should have been like a number of other people. Even Daniel Day-Lewis, I heard pretty early on that people wanted him to possibly Which play. Which well. would be a great <laughs> casting. Right, right. But there's a studio version of the film. And so they weren't going to go with that kind of like independent actor at the time. They wanted popular things. And certainly Cruz wanted it, you know, and to his credit, when Cruz wants something and he's not really the right choice for the role, he does make it work. Like Reacher now in retrospect, after having seen the series, you're like, Oh yeah, he is the wrong choice for this. But once you see what the character was intended to be. Right, right. But in the yeah. film, he works in the film, in the Jack Reacher film, because they construct it to not be about him being this big dude, which they make a point of stressing throughout the series. They don't make a point of it in the film. It's more about his fighting ability. So they kind of adjust that a little bit. And it still works. Now, the sequel didn't work, but that the first one worked. So here, this was when people started to kind of turn around on Cruise a little bit as an actor. This film... And then, of course, we had had Born on the Fourth of July before this film. But then this is the film that kind of people started waking up. And then Magnolia, I think, is only a few years after this. And you start to see the Tom Cruise a little more than just a superstar, more than just a movie star. There are facets to him. And then, of course, Kirsten Dunst. Um, and then I love Banderas and Stephen Ray, who is chilling uh, in this film. Yeah. When you compare to how cool he is and, and kind of put upon he is in The Crying Game. He is scary as fuck in this film. So all of it just so interesting exploring this idea of being the vampire. And of course he then consumes poor Christian Slater on the ride home. So on the drive home. Yeah, I liked it. I think it's a good film. Is that Schumacher too? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that is it? No way. No? Uh, It very well could be, but I have never associated him in my head with that movie. No, sorry, it's Neil Jordan who did Crying Game. So my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And the best use of interview with the I mean, uh, sympathy for the devil of any <laughs> project, regardless, I've ever seen because it pops up. It's a great song, iconic yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, but to close, yeah, that the slow pan out that the guys I shot as they're driving over the bridge, yeah. and it just cuts to you know that music slowly pulls in and be like. Excellent choice. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so what's your three, man? Uh, uh, my three is what we do in the shadows. Uh, that is my two. I Had I not that. gone back and rewatched it, I don't know that it would have made my list. Wow. Really? Okay. Um, Proceed. I, Taika to me is the entire movie. Yeah. When he uh, kills that woman and is trying to stop the blood hemorrhaging when he's in his bedroom, I don't know why that didn't get me the first time I saw it and seeing it a second time. I just laughed my ass off as he's like getting newspaper to try and clean up this mess. Slayed me. 
and the whole back and forth with the guy that the one Nosferatu that lives in the basement. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. I think it was his name, Jeff or Eric or something like that, or Steve. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's something, something just innocuous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, Jermaine is good and the other gentleman is good. Yeah. But it's Taika. Perhaps it's just I get more of his comedic timing now that I've, I've seen him more. Right, right. Uh, but damned if he isn't absolutely fantastic to me in that movie. Yeah, I mean, everyone really. I mean, Taika, Jermaine Clement is funny as well when he comes in and does his stuff and, um, Johnny Brew who plays Deacon. I mean, the th- chemistry with all three of them is really, really funny and the insane situations they find themselves in. Um, um, and the one guy they kind of what hired a kind of, he's all like kind of old. He's kind of their, they're familiar and shit. And he brings in the yeah. tech guy and all of that. And, so funny. And then you bring in the new, the, the cops, the two cops who, who ended up spinning off into a separate series, which you could watch on. Oh, is that the paranormal? Yeah. Wellington paranormal. Yeah. yeah. So on the HBO max, but yeah, this and this and the show itself, what we do in the shadows, the show is fucking great. So, um, this movie has a great vibe to it that transfers over. Into the show, but you're right. I mean, and also them confronting the vampires and, oh, sorry, the werewolves and having the back and forth. Yeah, out of yeah, the park. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and then Jermaine Clement with his supposed all time love. Yes. Yeah. Which is the old lady. Uh, it's got a, just a bunch of great uh, pieces in it. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the old lady. That's right. Oh, because he bites her, doesn't he? He turns her into a vampire so she stays alive forever as an old lady. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah, such a good, good film. Um, <laughs> all right, so then my three is uh, Let the Right One In. Uh, okay. The Swedish film here about the young girl befriending, which, of course, they remade with Chloe Grace Moretz. But the original is so much more darker um, and chilling, and I think it's a... Um, very interesting exploration of a young kid who, you know, has these fantasies of beating up his bullies and then befriends a young girl who's moved in who initially has wanted friends with him, but then, you know, they kind of get together because they're the same age. And, um, you see all these really brutal vampire moments throughout the movie, um, as he kind of figures it all out and then what that all leads to and the situation with her father and all of this. So, there's just so much to enjoy here about the slow build of mm-hmm. everything that's happening throughout the movie. And yes, there are subtitles for those who are listening or watching. It may not be the fan of subtitles, but the film is so fucking good. It's irrelevant. Like you would deal with the subtitles because there's so much tension and um, um, drama throughout the whole movie that I, I think it, it does such a great job of showing you that. Um because I mean, what would a vampire father and daughter vampire situation look like? You know, and how would that play out? And you could always, we just talked about it with the vampire, essentially Brad Pitt being her pseudo dad as they go into this world of life of, of being a vampire. And here we have this situation where she's a little more, the girl in the film is a little more accepting of the situation overall. So, okay. Yeah. And it's, 
it's really good. I mean, cause the battle between whether he will or she will like, you know, kind of turn him or not turn him and the idea of the bullies and are they going to kill the bullies or not kill the bullies? All of it kind of plays out. And then of course she's a kid. He's a kid. What's that like? Even though she's immortal, supposedly, you know, so unless she sees the sun or whatever. So it's just, um, such a good film and it gets more brutal throughout before you get to the resolution overall. So, and uh, I like the ending of the film too. It's a pretty good ending. Yeah. Description that and that, that Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston. I was like, those two seem like really interesting movies that I should see. That's what it is. Only lovers left love. Yeah. Jim Jaramouche. Yeah. Um, he plays like an artist who's struggling, lost his joie de vivre. And, uh, is she his sister or his lover? I can't remember. But she like, lover. Lover. Yeah. sparks joy back into him. And I was like, yeah. got two great actors I enjoy, a director who I usually enjoy. And it's fairly recent, 2013. It's not that long ago. So, yeah. Um, all right. Nine, so what's your nine, nine what? years at this point. <laughs> Quiet single digits. So let's see. It's, uh, my deuce is Buffy. Oh, really? All right, man. Knock stuff out. That's yeah, you get Paul Rubens alone. When he gets staked, he's like, Dee, ah, <laughs> I just mocking them. Uh, Rutger Hauer. I never thought, I thought Rutger Hauer was out of my life when I saw that movie. <laughs> he's out and I was like, is he making a couple? Let's get this Rutger Hauer train coming. Like how, how he hasn't been in a Tarantino yet is beyond me. Oh, good point. It's like he's the perfect Tarantino casting. Good point. Um, because he was in Sin City, but that's Rodriguez. That's not Tarantino. Yeah, it's adjacent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Christy Swanson was like, "Okay, I'm intrigued by. It. I liked a few of the things you've you've done. I never watched the TV show, so I didn't go into it yeah. after that." But I thought it has the right balance of having to deal with the stupidity of high school and the clickiness and whatnot. Um, but then what happens if that high school, like they turn into vampires, how even more clicky that becomes. Yeah. Uh, and her struggling with trying to find her own identity in the midst of now dealing with apparently fate and you're fated to not have what a life that you thought yours yeah. is going to have a different meaning and you need to embrace that meaning. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a really good, uh, movie. That's definitely worth the watch. It's got a nice balance of gore, but it's not too gory. It's got some good comedy moments. Uh, the action is it's fairly believable. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing like cartwheels and shit to do, you know, pull off some of the stunts, but it's not over the top. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, for a who it's directed at, which a teenager, I think it's got the perfect kind of blend of all those things, um, and it hits a nice balance. Well, I don't think you're alone. I'm sure people watching right now are huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans. The the film itself, and of course, it becomes a huge TV show. So yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people that defend Donald Sutherland in it as well. There's a lot of people who defend that film for sure. I forgot Luke Perry was in it. I totally yeah, plays the, the love interest. interest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, one yeah, of his few. It's like eight seconds or whatever that was came out shortly around that same time. Yeah, eight seconds. Yeah, the bull riding. Yeah. 
uh, and I don't think he got much of a shot after that. Yeah. I never watched another two and oh, so I didn't have, hmm. you know, any kind of draw towards him, but I liked him in this yeah. and it's fine. I'll take him over Jason Priestley in this movie. <laughs> and Ian Zering? Zering? Yeah, Ian Zering, yeah, whatever. Ian Zering? Yeah. Uh, I remember Luke. And that's sad he's passed away, too, at such a young age. Um, You know, his son is a professional wrestler. Oh, yeah? Luke's son, yeah. Ah, fuck, what is his name? If you say the Miz, Jungle like, Boy. the dude that was on the real world? <laughs> no. That's no. Luke Perry's son? That's crazy. No, Jungle Boy is his name. Yeah, and Luke used to come to watch his stuff, and then people take pictures of him, and he'd tell people, please don't take pictures of me. This is about my son. I just want to watch my son. I'm not here to get any kind of publicity. And so, yeah, he supported his son for a long time, and the son's doing well, you know. So, he's still yeah. wrestling? Oh, yeah. Still wrestling, yeah. He's, he's a thin kid, too. Who, uh, who's he with? Uh, AEW. He was with AEW for a while. Yeah, Jack Perry is his actual name. And he's, um, yeah, I think he's still, yeah, he's still with AEW. And I think he is the tag team champion right now with Luchasaurus. Yeah. Luchasaurus. That's what I said, Matt. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. <laughs> Hold on. Here's a picture. Yeah, that's that, that's uh, obviously that's him on the right without the lucha mask on. So, oh, now he's Luchasaurus. No, no, the other guy is Luchasaurus. He's the guy in the Jungle Boy, okay, Tiger print things there. So, yeah, they're the tag team champs right now in AEW. So there you go, AEW, all elite wrestling. Matt, get it right. Um, flabbergasted that I know more than one person still into wrestling, and I know quite a few. It's dumbfounding. But I know like 10, 15 guys that all still religiously we love follow it. wrestling. We love it. It's amazing to me. Um, all right. So where are we at? Uh, our ones? Uh, yeah. Do we have the same one? Well, obviously at this point. Blade. Blade. It's gotta be. No brainer. It was, you know, he's a daywalker, man. He gets to do both. He gets the best of both worlds. And I thought that when it was coming out, I thought that was going to be the biggest pile of shit. <laughs> it did. I remember the trailers are like, this is going to be awful. Yeah. And still went and saw it with friends and, uh, was blown away by how much I enjoyed that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so much so that the, the revitalization of the property I'm looking forward to. Cause it's like, if you recapture. Right. The first one and the second one, I'm all for it. If we do three, and was there a fourth? A fourth Blade movie? No. Yeah. It's so. not a fourth Blade movie, no. But uh, there was a TV series with sticky fingers from Onyx playing Blade. <laughs> of course. How could I forget? <laughs> Look, you're not wrong, because this is right around that time where Wesley was kind of falling off the thing, right? Falling off the schneid, because... You'd had Demolition Man in 93. Which sucks. Let's just all be honest with ourselves. It sucks. Go ahead. Then he had Money Train in 95. It's not good. Money Train is not good. 
Are you seriously going to defend that? Demolition Man will give you because you're not alone in that. And I think you're all wrong. Go wipe your ass with fucking seashells. I could give a fuck. All but right. Money so- Train is not good. And I was pulling for that to work because it's Woody and him. It is. I'm like, let's get the band back together. This with works J-Lo. for me once. With J-Lo, by the way. Yes. At the the ascendancy of J-Lo. Yes. Right at the ascendancy. What are you pulling down a copy of Money Train? No, no, I'm just I'm juicing up my mouse. My mouse is out of, out of, I have to recharge the mouse. Um, yeah, but yeah, then, then you get into the fan, which was terrible. That's terrible. The Robert De Niro film, uh, murder at 1600, also terrible. One night stand, terrible, but then U.S. Marshals, uh, not a bad sequel. It's to the fine. Fine. When, when is passenger in, 57? Then down in the, I think passenger said was earlier. That was in 1992, right? Or same year as white man can't jump. Okay. Yeah, always bet on black. Um, Rising Sun is ninety three. Yeah, so I'm I mean, a big fan of Rising Sun. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, do you ever read the the Crichton book? Is fucking excellent as well. No, I read other of his. I never read that one. Yeah, it's really, really fucking good. But then he's going into Down in the Delta, and then Blade. Right, Blade kind of lifts him up. Then you get Play to the Bone, Art of War, Liberty Stands Still, Zigzag. Then Blade Two, then Undisputed, Unstop. So clearly, you know, he had. He had been living on these blades as the last gasp, and then it's all just like straight to video type movies until you know he gets all involved in the um taxes situation that comes out for Expendables three. And now, yeah, yeah he's had a little bit of a resurgence as yeah. of late. Yeah, with Coming to America and True Story, the one that was yeah, the Dolomite. Yeah, Dolomite's yeah. my name. He's great. Dolomite's my name. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's getting shots again. I'm cool with that. I like it. I don't know what Paper Empire is, but that's a film Never that's a reason to. Oh, fucking Robert Davi. Fuck that nonsense. A clown. Um, yeah, I mean, wait, what are we going to say? We talked about Stephen it. Dorf. So good. Uh, you got Donald Logue. Yeah. You got, uh, is Parker Posey in this one? No, that's the third one. Is it the third one? I thought she might have like made a small appearance in this one. No. It's a, some, some European blonde girl. I can't remember who it is. Um, and then you have his mom. And then of course the, um, the girl who's his companion through all this in Boucher, right? Udo Kier is in this. Udo. Deacon Frost. You are bad for us. It's great casting. Right. <laughs> it's so good. He oh, is, yeah. He's so, perfect for that role. So Sanaa Lathan plays his mom. The actress. Oh, mom. okay. Yeah, when the flashbacks, that's his mom. Yeah, who played that big vampire IT character that they hit with the flashlight, the UV flashlight, and she starts to fry? It's like, ah! And then she has to go typing away. It's like oh, she's yeah. a huge blob oh, type yeah. character. Oracle type character. Yeah. yeah. God, Which is just growing to the size of the room. <laughs> the blood god? What a great little oh, yeah. final villain that you have to take down. Yeah. They use what was it like a coagulant or something? Some injected <laughs> blood combative. But it's like the nonsense all kind of made sense together. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Which is very easy for that shit just to get out of hand and you get stuff like it's the mother box and be like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) 
You're just introducing this all powerful thing out of nowhere. Like what? <laughs> the mother box. <laughs> I hate it. I hated that. Yeah, so, it's just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's like mind weary. Marvel's yeah. now borrowing from the worst of DC. It's like, what are we fucking doing? What are we doing? Guys, come on. It's gross. Work with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she was Spanish, the girl. Oh, my bad. She was born in Spain. I apologize. She didn't look Latina with that blonde hair. That's my bad. So, all right, fine. <clears throat> yeah, good film. Stephen Norrington. People people forget Guillermo del Toro did not direct that movie. It was Stephen no. Norrington. So. He did the deuce. I was going to say Christopherson in this one as well, but we really don't need to yeah. hash out this. We still, we got to combine the lists. We got shout outs and we're at a buck 40 right now. People got to be tired of our nonsense. All right. So Blade is number one. What we do in the shadows is number two. Yep. I would say interview then three. Yeah. Okay. And after that, so that's one, two, and three done. Okay. Um, and let's see. You have Lost Boys at five? I have Lost Boys at five, yes. And I have that at six, and you have Fright Night where? At six, and that's seven? I have Fright Night at six, yes. All right, so we'll do Lost Boys, Fright Night. So I have my number two. Okay. Sorry. Buffy. What's your next highest? Because I don't think we have we don't have anything else in common. Uh, Let the right one in at number three. All right. My next highest is my number eight. Okay, my number seven, Underworld, is still in play. All right. You have your eight. Your eight is on there? Eight? No, it's not on there. Near Dark. All right. That and Blade 2. The winner of the coin flip gets nine. The loser gets ten. All right. We have the Batman-Superman coin flipping now. What do you have? All right, what was the Bigelow movie called again? Near Dark. Near Dark, that's right. All right, there we go. Huh? All done. Sounds good. The top ten vampire movies, yeah. At number ten. Blade to Oh, you know what we forgot was oh. my number five. Oh, did we forget it? Yeah. Which would go there, which oh, bumps, bumps off, off Blade. Blade. Okay. Oh, no, we no, both have uh, Dracula. Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula is number 10 for me. Yeah, it's my yeah, five. It's my All right, five. That, that's fine. We can put it there. Matt, what's going on here, man? Focus up, dude. What's going on over here? All right, go for it. All right. The top 10 vampire movies, yeah. At number 10. Near Dark. At number 9. Underworld. At number 8. A Bram Stoker's Dracula. At number 7. Let the Right One In. At number six. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At number five. Fright Night. At number four. The Lost Boys. At number three. Interview with a Vampire. 
At number two. What we do in the shadows. And our number one vampire movie is. Is Blade. So there it is. Some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Uh, all right. There we go. There's our, uh, separate tents or our, our combined list rather. Now we'll get into our shout outs, right? Matt, is that what we're doing here next? Uh, we are doing our shout outs. This is our, for our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 yeah. with the number 10. So if you donated $5 and above this is our way of saying thanks each and every month. We give you a shout out on the show. Go ahead and start us off, sir. Sure. Mike, uh, Chaput. Right. Tyler Brecken. Drew Gorzitsky. The Jub Zone. Jason McDonald. Uh, Robbie or Roby. Uh, Pele Cole. Eric Taylor. Deepak Mawar. David Steven. Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Henrik Winterland. Phil Knuckles. Cal, Callie Onkin. Sorry about that. Lachlan Skinner. Charles Kim. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Charles J. Clark. Zachariah Kaufman. Jeff Dickin. Francisco J. Torres. Connor Teal. Michael D. Dyke. Tim Reimert. Dominic Greaves. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Kyle Beckworth. Jeremy Bowers. James Petty. Nick Francis. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gant. Cameron Chapman. Alex Russell. Paul Cree. Stacy Flores. Luke Allison. Kristen Kurtz. Gareth Weldon. Timothy R. Williams. Nick Baldwin. JIC317. Matthew Kearns. What's up, Matt? Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. Drake Fromsdorf. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Valverde III. Andre Constant- Constantinesco. Steve Schlachabier. Catherine Samuels. Houston Bodily. Roque Ariana. Maurice Robinson. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Marlon T.A.Z. Badfish. Ravi Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Ben Cartwright. Josh Murphy. Michael Oricar. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowls. Johanna Schmidt. The Giant Fernando. Evan Zoller. Kevin Fuss. Ryan McKenna. Brian Akins. Alexander Marzonia. What's up, Alex? Garth Wizenant. Mike Barrington. Ed Buskirk. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Berman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. Dan Nye. Nye. Seth Shearer. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Chris Cabrera. Robert Haley. Oh, and Anthony Castle-Nova. That is everybody. Thank you to everyone that supports us. It means the world. And let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. You can follow the show at Top Ten Show, all spelled out on Twitter. Otherwise, on Instagram and YouTube, it is forward slash the Top Ten Podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up. We'd love to see you over at any of those. And you can follow me at Matt Nost. Uh, check out... Settle the score where John was recently a guest and, uh, for NBA action, you can check out dropping dimes. You can find those anywhere you get podcasts. And that is it for me this week.
Yeah, that's for me. You can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says, and my other podcast, the Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies. Uh, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new live episode of the top 10. Peace. Ooh.